Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Mike Summer, Wax Pack Hero. We're going to talk about that. He's going to give me some feedback that we're going to we're going to allow you listeners to listen in on uh, uh, Mike, a very experienced hobbyist and fellow podcaster. Is I don't know that he's critiquing, but he wants to go back and forth with some of the topics that we've already that I've uh, dealt with, but I don't have the last word. We're going to talk about some of the financial aspects of the hobby that he wants to go a little deeper on. So thanks, Mike. But thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini Upper Deck, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Heritage Auctions, and Huggins and Scott Auctions. See, I, I did it in a slightly different order that time. Welcome, Mike Summer, Wax Pack Hero. I am going to put myself on the hot seat here. I've put out some episodes and you very politely suggested that uh, maybe some further treatment would be would be welcomed by more than just you. So thanks, Mike, and uh, hit me with your best shot. You got a yeah, question thanks. about the, uh, one of the recent episodes, and I'm looking forward to spending some time with you today. Thanks. I appreciate you having me back on. It's always good to chat. And yeah, there's a, a few of the topics that have come up over some of the episodes I thought maybe warranted a little uh, deeper conversation. Not so much that I disagree or have different thoughts, but things that I thought maybe it would be good to expand on just a little bit. And the first couple are maybe a little more financial related when it comes to financial topics in the hobby. And recently you talked and touched on cash flow positive and whether or not we need to be cash flow positive when it comes to our collecting or our buying and selling. And it seemed like the general thought was maybe not, and it depended on the time frame. And I wanted to touch just a little bit more on that. And I think what you said makes a lot of sense. And I would suggest people go back and look at that. But one of the things that I wanted to touch on is, would you ever suggest someone use debt as a part of extending that time frame to get to break even or to get to cash flow positive? You got to be really careful on this because people can listen and take things out of context. You've done an excellent job of summarizing, but the uh, cash flow positive is in the time frame is if uh, your family says, "Hey," uh, or your financial situation is you've got a hundred bucks a month to spend on the on your hobby. Uh, by cash flow positive, I'm not saying that you have to make you could spend that hundred dollars and put it away, and that's not that to me. That's cash flow neutral above above and beyond what you've already allocated. So you're saying, okay, you've done that for this one month. You've spent your hundred bucks that, that is in the budget, family budget and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden a collection pops up and the collection is worth a thousand dollars. But the collection that you were going to buy for a hundred dollars, do that. You, you wouldn't go into debt to buy a thousand dollar collection for nine hundred dollars or eight hundred or seven hundred, even five hundred. I, I would not be interested in doubling, uh, you know, even doubling my money to me is not good enough to borrow money to put it on my credit card because credit card, that interest comes fast. But I believe that there are deals out there, not so much brand new stuff, but picking a poke kinds of things, which I think you have seen that if, if there's a, uh, a collection that is a really good deal and you've checked it out and you're buying for 10 cents on the dollar and you have the ability, because you've also mentioned the time value, you have the ability to get that hundred bucks back. If you spent a hundred for a thousand dollar collection and that was borrowed money, you ought to be able to see that you could get that paid off within a month. If you can't, yeah. well, now you got long-term debt in the hobby. I don't like that. I don't like that. So I'm not sure that answers your question other than being prudent. Again, if you're a collector and you're not planning to sell stuff, if you're then you, you've got a problem. You have to sell. Not everybody has to sell, but in a cash flow, uh, if you're a cash flow neutral or positive uh, collector more than an investor, then uh, you need to see your way out of the debt in a sure thing way. In other words, you, you're easily collateralized by what you purchased, even in the event of a downturn. 
Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the thing that I, that concerns me is sometimes we I run into other collectors who rationalize something as too good of a deal to pass up. And so they're going to go into debt to do it when it's not necessarily a sure thing that they're going to be able to get that money back and pay off that debt. And to me, that's a different level of risk and a different level of financial commitment than using savings or cash to be able to purchase some of those types of things. So, and unfortunately, so thank you. the people that are going to get most in trouble with this are the most passionate ones, the people that you and I really enjoy because they love the hobby. And if they're buying something that's a grail card, that's in their, their PC, their personal collection, that they're just, they're, they're a super collector and they, they see a one of one, this is, it's do or die. Unfortunately, it's die. <laughs> Sometimes it, and they may be overpaying. And so to borrow money to overpay you're on dangerous and you're on potential ground of addictive behavior. A thousand dollars is different from 10,000 is different from a hundred thousand. And as you pointed out in your comments to me about the millionaire next door, if you're a millionaire, then spending a thousand bucks on cards is not a big deal. If you're a billionaire spending a million dollars, it's not a big deal as we found out. But if you're a thousandaire, if you're not the millionaire next door and you're, you need to be careful. And what you've pointed out and the, the, the books point out that many times millionaires are slow and steady and yep. make prudent decisions that accumulate over a lifetime that generate a net worth of a million dollars, which is wonderful. Yeah. I, that, and that's one of the other things that I, I thought we could touch on is you, you had touched on or alluded to some of the um, common traits of millionaires that were in that book, uh, A Millionaire Next Door, and maybe questioning a little bit if that's still the case um, today when we see some people flaunting some things and flaunting whether it's personal items or cards even. And I was just, I wanted to touch a little bit too on, on I think there are a lot of those characteristics that still maintain their truth today as far as that slow and steady approach, people living below their means, avoiding um, debt whenever possible, and some of those types of things. I was just curious if you had done much additional reading or conversation about some of those other characteristics of people who might be well-to-do or might be millionaires and see if there are things that apply to the hobby that are, are similar characteristics in, in, in the things that you've experienced. I have experienced that and I did read the book and I, I read a lot of books and I, I try to track what's going on. And I think that uh, you sent me some excellent materials, but they were, if you define a millionaire as someone that has a net worth of a million dollars, then that includes uh, some number of people in America and is a, an aspirational goal. For many people though, that is accomplished by appreciation in their homestead, in their home. And so to me, the book, the materials you were sending and the millionaire next door is about people that have a million dollar net worth. But there's yep. other definitions of a millionaire, like a, a liquid millionaire, someone that has a million dollars to that, that they can get their hands on, that they can invest. They have a stock portfolio. That's a different kind of millionaire. And I think those are the ones that are that are flaunting it a little bit more. And then there's also people that make a million dollars a year and a million millionaire earners and whether it's from investment income. And so they have you know, money to play with, money to give away, money to blow. And so it depends on your situation. My comments that you picked up on, and I'm glad you're asking for clarification, are that they're millionaire wannabes. It's mm -hmm. millionaire, in some cases, apparently it must work, that if you fake it till you make it, if you act like a millionaire, that's, I, I, I don't get that, but uh, perhaps that works some of the time. Not recommended, <laughs> but there's this uh, conspicuous consumption, sometimes in the hobby, by acting like you're a player, then people then perhaps go to you and think, this guy's a player. Uh, I've got this big card and, uh, and maybe that works.
in a rising market, that's the problem, uh, Mike. In a rising market, we can all look really smart because everything's gone up in the last six months. Touching on that rising market idea, you've mentioned several times about the idea of the industry being a balloon and that we ideally would like to see some air let out of the balloon versus the balloon popping. And I was curious to know a little bit more about what would that look like to you? What would it look like for air to be let out of the balloon? The best way I could say that is if tomorrow, and I don't want to speak this into being, but cards went up 10% last month, let's just say, if next month they went down for 10%, what would that mean? That could actually be air let out of the balloon because depending on what cards are offered for sale at 10% less than they were last month, there are collectors out there that are not even millionaire collectors, but collectors who are ready to pounce if something they want is down 10%. The problem, that, so that's to me letting air out of the balloon. If the next month cards go down another 10%, there are still collectors out there ready to pounce, not on everything, but on the things that they want. The problem with the balloon popping is if you have this, if you have a, a big decline and things become unsaleable, that's the problem. But if it's sitting in your collection, if you put it out there on eBay or some other place to sell it, and it gets either no bids or bids way below a reasonable reserve in your mind, that will freak people out. But if there's an, if, you know, have gone up 100% in the last six months. If they went down 50%, which is, it doesn't, can't go down 100%, they're going to have 50% to go back to where they were. The stock market does it all the time and people don't freak out because there's still, there's, you know, it can't be just supply and demand. There has to be demand at that price. And if the price goes down a little bit, again, some of these cards, people are ready to pounce right now if cards go down. To me, that's letting air out of the balloon. If all the cards come up for sale at the same time, the, the, then there's not there's not 23 people out there that want to spend a million eight on LeBron James card, no matter how nice it is, that are all going to want their own copy of that number to 23 card if they all came out at the same time. But would that crash the hobby or crash that card? It would make that card be a lot more reasonable. Yes, we can't say. Maybe it's not like a Hannes Wagner, but even the Hannes Wagner is not, is not safe if uh, the economy got bad. So like I said, there are no sure things. Part of where I was wondering with that letting there out of the balloon even comes from that level of demand. We've seen a lot of new entrants come into the hobby over the last couple of years, some people returning who collected as kids. And so I think some of that increased price is a result of the increased demand that we've seen. And I was wondering if part of the fear that some people have is that some of these new people who are into collecting now are going to have a mass exodus and lose interest really fast too. And I was just, you know, part of that conversation about letting out of the balloon, part of it for me was also is that a slow removal of certain people who have entered the hobby or not? No, we're almost out of time. So let me just answer okay. this question because I think this is an important question. Again, thanks for your thoughtful questions, Mike. I've enjoyed this. But the problem is there, if, if when prices go up, in, a, in classic economic theory, when prices go up, demand is supposed to go down. <laughs> but it doesn't in this hobby. When prices go up, demand also goes up because it's the latest thing. Now, when prices go down, also, demand goes down for those people you're talking about who are going to bail. But they weren't really both feet in the hobby. They were only to their latest thing. And uh, I think there's a substantial group of people that are, I think it's the greatest hobby in the world. There's a substantial people. And I'm betting that most of the people that come in, that have come in the last six months, are going to stay. And if they don't, if there's a dip and they get out, then um, then that could another be another way of uh, 
of letting air out of the balloon again. The really serious collectors would have, like to have less competition at lower prices, except when they go to sell. Yep. So, I think that's, I wish we could resolve that once and for all, Mike, but we will see. It can't keep going up 10% a month. And yep. like I said, the scenarios of it going down 10% a month, a couple months, that would be a splash of cold water. And if people bail on that, they weren't the ones that were willing to persevere and saw the the, the full benefits of enjoying a very wholesome hobby. So thanks, Mike. Thanks, listeners. Uh, some good feedback from my friend, Mike, on some of the financial aspects about the hobby. We didn't even resolve it. We did scratch the surface, but uh, be back again tomorrow with another episode. And thanks, Mike Summer, Waxback Hero. The man in the moon.